0: And hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast for April third, two thousand and twenty. Two, uh, it's been a it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in the studio together.
1: Been a minute, yes,
2: or a good full two weeks. Unfortunately, <laughs> it has.
0: Well, I think uh, we've all taken a little vacation time around spring break. I went on a cruise. Mm-hmm. With, You're
2: still looking tan, actually. Still looking tan.
0: I <laughs> well, put it this way: um, people say, "Well, do you do you like a cruise?" And I go, "Well, my wife loves cruising, and I love my wife. Mm. So because I love my wife, we go cruising together. It's, I have a great time when I'm there." But it's so much food. Yeah, yeah. I feel guilty. <laughs> and I saw
2: a couple pictures. You were wearing some suits.
1: Those are very good pictures.
0: Yes. With some, some great pictures. The um, denim
1: suit, was that yours?
0: No, my son, Caleb, uh, he and his friends love to go thrift store shopping. So they went thrifting and he came across a, a, a leisure suit. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he's good looking enough, he can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. So I went cruising, Marissa. What did you do for vacation? We
1: went to uh, Boiling Springs um, with a family from our community group, and uh, Boiling Springs is a state park over in western Oklahoma. So it was fun. Did so, some hiking.
0: So have you been to all the state parks? Is that kind of a challenge your family's um, doing? We went
1: to four last week. Uh, so yes, you know my husband's a completionist. We do mm-hmm. the national parks, we do the state parks. So okay. I think there's a few we're still missing, but we have the passport. We get the stickers.
0: Love it. It's important. It is. That,
2: that's <laughs> memory building right there. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. all kinds of fun.
0: <laughs> so I went on a cruise. Marissa went to state parks. Dave, what did you do for spring break?
2: I wrote a paper. Nice. The most boring thing you could do over spring break, part of my wonderful studies, I wrote a 25 paper on Pari and 2 Timothy 2.2.
0: So you just gone from Super Dave to Loser Dave? Oh no!
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. That was it was a interesting spring break. Okay, <laughs> I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, there there are more spring breaks to come, Dave. More spring breaks to come. Mm-hmm. So so I, I planned for our original banter. We had another question planned. We'll save that for next week because we we bantered enough by about vacations and while Dave is so boring,
2: my lame-o, my lame-o. Yeah. In a How seat do you then? write a 25-page paper on one verse? How
0: do you write a 25-page paper on one verse, Dave? I mean, the guy who wrote it only
2: wrote one verse. <laughs> 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 you mean, Well, Paul, Paul wrote—I looked at the greater context, <laughs> and you quote about a thousand scholars, and you have 25 pages. Yeah.
0: For those of you uh, new at home and haven't been keeping score, that's, that strange voice is Brad Henderson, <laughs> our sound engineer— a strange voice, but he's a cool guy. All right, so let's jump in. Uh, For April 3rd, the text, we are, now I always want to drop back and give context here. Since the beginning of the year, we've spent time in the Gospel of Luke. Within that, we're kind of doing a smaller teaching series as we approach Easter called Near the Cross. And um, in Luke 23, these are the individuals or the groups of people that were so close to the cross that they did touch it, as in the case of Simon of Cyrene, or they're so close they could have touched it, like the centurion. We'll look at him in a couple of weeks. So here, here today we're going to talk about the criminals uh, that were crucified on either side of Jesus. Um, little plug here. All of this is leading somewhere. This is leading up to our service of darkness, April 14th, which will pull all these things together and kind of pick up on that theme of near the cross. Uh, but then ultimately this leads us to April 17th, which is Easter, where we experience the resurrection. But we can't understand the importance or experience the full weight of the resurrection without acknowledging the crucifixion, the death and burial of Jesus. We've got to get there first. So, Marissa, why don't you read our text? I'm going to ask her to read Luke 23. We're going to back up, and we're going to start at verse 38 and read all the way through verse 43.
1: There was a written notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise."
0: So um, technically, uh, for our teaching plan, we're starting in verse 39, but I, I wanted to back up and take verse 38 again to remind um, remind us of something. And here we're given the full context in the Gospel of John. But as Jesus is being crucified, and this was typical in the day, that the charge against that person for which they were found guilty would be put up behind them. So everyone could see they were an insurrectionist or you know whatever, thief, whatever they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, Pilate creates this sign, and in Luke's telling of it, his wording uh, literally is, the king of the Jews, this one, and it's almost as though he puts that title but then points an arrow right at Jesus, and of course, Pilate meant it as as mockery or scorn, but it points to the reality of who Jesus uh, truly is. Hmm. So on either side of him, uh, we have the criminals, so Dave, Marissa. What can you tell us about the criminals? What what stood out to you in your study?
2: Well, I mean, they, they obviously were not ordinary criminals. They're, they're not some pettyweight thief that, that would pick up things here or there. They, they did something significant enough that deserved the death penalty. We know that much. Um, they were both Jews. They, they were in and around Jerusalem, which is significant for how they both would have been exposed to the teachings of Jesus. They both would have at least at a very far distance if not somewhat nearby have been exposed to jesus and what he was their thought about punishment and death and their crimes and what they had done they they even would have thought as part of the afterlife that death would have been the justice served for what they had done wrong and so here two criminals are sitting on either side of jesus looking at Jesus and even in the text, I don't know how much further you want me to go than that. <laughs>
0: Is it, hey, write a 25 page paper on this passage. Will you do that next spring break?
2: I would prefer not to. I'd okay, prefer but... to actually do something fun with my no, family, no. like going when... to the zoo or getting outdoors in nature or anything fun. <laughs> nope. But no, I didn't get to do so. Okay. So <laughs> no, you can keep going if you want to. Okay. So um, I, I'm, fascinating how the text uses you know the, this, this image of, of blaming or hurling insults, just as the crowd was hurling insults, just as even the soldiers immediately before were mocking Jesus, hurling insults at Jesus. Here, now you have one of these criminals hurling insults at Jesus, and the other one stands in defense of Jesus. Something happened at some point where he recognized what he did was wrong, and Jesus did not do that. So Okay, so that's an important point. I'm
0: going to interrupt you for just a second, yeah. because... Matthew and Mark, in their telling of this, they have both of the criminals hurling insults at Jesus, Um, and I think they're absolutely accurate in what they record, but they only saw the first half of that story, Mm -hmm. and Luke, in a very well-researched way, evidently, he had a source that said, I saw something else, though. Mm -hmm. During this six-hour time, Jesus hung on the cross, and these criminals were there. One had a change of heart, Um, and it's just a, a reminder... It's never too late to change our lives. It's never too late to have that change of heart. And I'll, in the, in the teaching on Sunday morning, I'll say the story's not over yet.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry I cut you off,
0: Dave. No, Any no, that's, are-
2: that's okay. So let's let's hear what Marissa has to Good. say yes. before I land the plane and, and end this short passage.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, there's just so much tragedy to this story. Of course, the all of Luke 23 is just so heavy and tragic. And uh, there's this tragic dichotomy, too, between the two criminals and their responses to Jesus, not just... Um, The way they responded to Jesus and the eternal decisions they made, but within the insults that uh, the one man chooses to hurl at Jesus that you all were talking about, he says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And he uses the same words that the soldiers use, that the rulers use, that the onlookers use. And within that, there's an extra sting of failure. So wasn't the Messiah supposed to overthrow Rome? didn't look at how you failed us, look at us, look at where we are and where Rome has put us. You failed everyone is what he's saying there. Mm. And the criminal was using these words. And, and what's so tragic to me is that he was using the exact same words as those who oppressed him, that he was so um, enveloped by the darkness and immersed in it, in the brokenness of the world that he became fully and utterly uh, part of it. Um, he was one with that darkness, and it seemed for a moment that darkness had won. Can I
0: can I play off something there and yeah. apply that? And I, since I interrupted Dave, I wanted to interrupt you now.
1: Thanks. It's only
2: fair. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> and don't hate me for it, or I'll make you write a twenty five page paper.
1: Which kind of sounds fun? <laughs> <Uh-oh>.
0: <laughs> says says the woman who goes to state parks on go on a cruise. Go to anyway. I'm just now. I'll get a lot of hate mail from people who love state parks.
1: I'm not saying anything bad about cruises.
0: Camping. There's a reason that we don't camp anymore, because it's no fun. <laughs> it's no fun. So now i get some hate mail don't about that. do people camp with RVs now? Do did y'all, did y'all do glamping or camping?
1: We do camping. Ugh. We've done glamping. We love all all aspects of Oh. In all of its flavors. That's probably
0: the <laughs> that's the second question I asked Paula when we started dating. It's like, do you like camping? She said, no. I said, we're, we're going to You're gonna, the one for me. We're going to get married. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it, it is interesting as you read through Luke 23 how, mm-hmm. how much people parrot one another. First, you have the, the crowds and the religious leaders taunting Jesus and mocking him. The soldiers kind of pick up on that. Um, by the way, as they're drinking wine vinegar, that's a poor man's drink. They were probably getting sloshed during this time, and they were overhearing these things, and they just started reveling in this. And then the criminals repeat what they've heard. Just a great application. Make up your own mind about Jesus. For those who are skeptical, sometimes we just parrot what other people have said about Jesus, and we've never thought for ourselves. We've never picked up the Gospels and read about Jesus on our own. So I would encourage us, don't don't just parrot what other people say about Jesus. Make up your own mind.
1: Right. Just like the second captive. (laughs) Like
0: the second captive. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So despite all the horror and the humiliation of his execution, compared to the first criminal, who was in complete and utter bondage to that darkness and empire, he resists that pull of evil and breaks free of his captivity. Um, The full weight of darkness is on him, and it can't hold him. If we hold fast to the promise of who Jesus really is, it can't hold us. So through our suffering, I think, in these two men— we see that our uh, our suffering we can be a discouragement. We can wallow in our circumstances until we're almost indistinguishable from the evil that's affecting us, or we can hold fast to the promises of God and the truth of who He is. And when we hold fast to God, then the world cannot keep its grip on us.
0: Oh, that's good. So you said this this passage was filled with tragedy, and it is. Mm-hmm. But it's also just filled with beauty. Yes. Yeah. And and as I teach through this, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna follow the thieves. Or the, I, I need to stop saying thief. We don't know what their crime was. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more accurate to say he was a criminal. So I, I follow what, what he does rather intuitively is instructive to us. You know, first thing, he just he realized God is real. Don't you fear mm-hmm. God? Mm-hmm. And then he realized not only who God was, he realized who, who he was. You know, we're getting what our deeds have brought on us, so he takes some responsibility there, which is key to repentance, is taking responsibility. So he sees God, then he sees himself, and then he sees Jesus. Right. Uh, here's a man who's done nothing wrong. And it's just this, this beautiful instruction. Again, he did it very intuitively, but, but how much of life would come together in clarity for us if we acknowledge God is real, acknowledge we are broken, and understand that Jesus is good. Uh, it's just some very powerful stuff. And this beautiful prayer, mm-hmm. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Uh, pretty much you can look at the Gospels and any words said to Jesus could be interpreted as a prayer. I mean, we, we talk to Jesus, we call that prayer. So as people talk to Jesus in the Gospels, there's always a, a tinge of this may be a way to pray. Let's talk about that prayer for just a minute, That's because that's an odd thing to say. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm-hmm. What's happening there?
2: At some point, at least the the research I looked at suggested that this This criminal realized that the accusations that that everyone was throwing at Jesus were true, that what Jesus claimed about himself, that he indeed was the Messiah, that there was a kingdom of God that was going to be made real. And at some point in, in the criminal's journey, he said, I need to be a part of what you're doing and who you are and be associated with you and not be associated with my past, not be associated with what I've done. So he turns to Jesus and he says to Jesus, please let me be a part of your kingdom, let me be associated with you and what's happening, let me be part of this new Jesus movement instead of whatever, maybe he was an insurrectionist, maybe we, we don't know what, what criminal charges he really w- was doing, but he recognized that the kingdom of God had greater weight than whatever kingdom he was trying to build in and of himself.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of the, the basic um, undercurrent of all sin? Sin is trying to find joy in some place that joy cannot be found. Uh, we, put, we try to find joy in the wrong things, uh, but when we come to that point where it's, we acknowledge that Jesus is king, that's where the root of joy is found. Mm. Marissa, what you got about that statement? That yeah, prayer?
1: so I think it's interesting. <coughs> we always focus on the deathbed conversion in this, uh, yeah. th- those aspects in this, but what seems to be more important is that this is really all it takes. Um, that this man's discipleship to Jesus only lasted a few moments. We don't know how long. Um, But in those moments, he seemed to learn a lot more about Christ's saving identity than the 12 disciples did in years. Um, So uh, it's a very, very profound statement. Whenever I think of God remembering me, um, it's not like he's forgotten us. It's not like we have to wave our hands and say, we're over here. That's not what the man was saying. But I think of um, the blessing that you end your sermons with, number six. Um, we're asking God to shine His face on us and what a horrible dark place that man was in that he was still able to feel the light from the face of God shining on him.
0: Yeah so. Yeah, that's good. And, and you mentioned the phrase deathbed conversion. Mm-hmm. You know and, and even some Christians are we're skeptical of that and we, we kind of scorn at that. Thank God. I mean, right, yeah. really. Absolutely. I, <laughs> yes. I mean, if, if we want to go through and say, well, you know, a deathbed conversion doesn't count. They, they should get what they deserve. Then we all should probably get what we deserve. Yeah, you've
1: and missed the point. You've missed the point.
2: <laughs> but yeah. maybe that is the point, too. We all should get what we deserve. Right. But Jesus went to the cross. And in, in the very place where he was suffering in this moment, he did it so that people didn't have to. Yeah. And this criminal recognized that. This criminal said you are worth more than whatever I've done in the rest of my life. That's right.
0: And, and you know, sometimes I've, I've heard of deathbed confessions and I, you know, or conversions, and I go, oh, you know, is that real or not? Well, the good thing is I don't have to decide that. Mm. God knows that person's heart, you know. And, and obviously here in this passage we see this person's heart. Um, and it's this kind of a surrender. He, while the other criminal is asking for, save us, he doesn't ask for anything. This is kind of a surrender moment of Jesus, your king, whenever you think of me don't forget me remember me and do with me whatever you want to um, now let's take jesus's statement here because this is a a very simple statement this is the promise that comes from the prayer truly i tell you today you'll be with me in paradise
1: hmm.
0: what is jesus communicating with this statement
1: well i love that it starts with amen truly Truly, I tell you, um, it's a promise. It's a declaration of victory over death. It's a, a promise of truth, of reconciliation to God, and of eternal paradise. So just like there was so much depth in, in the prayer that uh, the man said to Jesus, there's so much depth in the promise of Jesus there to the man. And I imagine like a smile on Jesus' lips as he speaks this. It's uh, a sigh of, yes, thank you, Father, for the one last reminder of why I'm doing this. Because you have this chaos and frenzy of these ugly, twisted faces all insulting Jesus. And, and it's a temptation from, from Satan himself saying, you know, this is what you're doing this for? Save yourself. Um, and just to have that one last sweet final friendship, that one last gift that was just as profound as Simon uh, carrying the cross beam or the sour wine offered by the soldier. That, that one last thing that said, this is why, remember where he chose us he chose to stay on that cross and it was the one last act of love it wasn't nails or rome that kept him on the cross it was that love
0: there you go
2: i, I love the immediacy of, of jesus words that today you will be with me in paradise that, that while there was especially for criminals there, there you there was uncertainty in what happened as the next step and jesus says right now this is what's happening you are going to be with me in paradise you're going to experience the kingdom of god immediately when you die and there's I read there's lots of discussion about what happens when you die is there soul rest mm-hmm. you know Martin Luther talked about that yeah. you, there's 25 on on pages
1: written just on the comma after Yeah, <laughs> 25 have to say
0: to <laughs> pages Dave did, 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 when you hear 25 pages did not your heart just sing with joy
2: no now that you're done maybe. oh well no because I have one more that I'm writing right now yeah. Oh so my oh, yeah joys of, of graduate school yeah um but no I I love how Greg Laurie puts it Point blank, that, that, that our decision and what we do with Jesus has an eternal impact, and it doesn't matter whether there's soul rest, whether there's not soul rest. Our next immediate experience after, after we die is we are face-to-face with Jesus, and we have to answer to the question, what did we do with Jesus? Did we mock Jesus? Did we, did we line up with everybody else? Or did we say yes to Jesus, and did we follow him? And It doesn't matter where along the journey we did that as long as we said yes to Jesus, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it
0: interesting, um, and I'll, I'll ask for closing ideas here in just a minute, uh, or anything that you have that you just are dying to share. I, I find it interesting that the uh, the Persians developed crucifixion uh, about 600 years before Jesus. It was practiced about 300 years after Jesus, so for a full 1,000 years, crucifixion was being practiced. And so Persians originated this horrendous horrendous practice, now the Romans perfected it, they, they took human agony to its outer limits. And I also find it ironic that as the Persians developed crucifixion, so the word used in verse 43, today you'll be with me in paradise, that too is a Persian loan word. Hmm. Uh, it comes out of the Persian language, Jesus uses it in Greek, and in Greek it's been transliterated into English. And that picture, that word paradise in the Persian language means a walled garden. And so here, in a, in a way, the whole story comes back full circle because where did humanity begin? In a garden. Mm-hmm. And Jesus promises paradise in a garden, which, you know, don't, don't think plants and, you know, perfect surroundings. Think restoration with God. Right. That We're back where we should be in a right relationship with God, and that's, that's paradise. Um, so I'm going to end with a quote, but burning statements, burning ideas that y'all just have to share.
1: Uh, I think just to wrap up what we've already said we all have a decision this is a um, a very dramatic uh, micro look at a macro decision that we all have um, that we can either um, be people who shine light into this world like the uh, the criminal did for Jesus and um, and give God the glory or we can obscure light and mock God Um, and we may not have such a um, literal opportunity to do so but we all fall into one of those two categories
2: that's right Super Dave? I love that the text confronts us one more time with who is Jesus and what are we going to do with Jesus, that that we have to keep coming back to that and wrestle with that in one way, shape, or form another, as Marissa said. And so uh, the text challenges us point blank. Do we believe that Jesus did indeed come to inaugurate a new kingdom to establish God's peace on earth as it is in heaven? Are we going to walk with that or are we not going to walk with that?
0: So I'll end with uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, book seven, the very end, he's talking about uh, all this grand story, this grand narrative, and uh, uh, kind of pulling this back to where Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise, that death is not the end, that, that there's an eternity of relationship with God to be discovered. And Lewis writes this at the end of the last battle. He said, all their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they are beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Death is not the end, amen? Amen. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace, now and forever, Amen.
2: amen. Amen.